And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And as I sometimes do, we're definitely going to deviate from that today, but we're going to have so much fun. And yeah, I'm sure somewhere we'll bring social media back into it. But today, please join me in welcoming Amy Van Atta Slater as our guest. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Great, great. Well, let me tell folks just a little bit about you. And I met you on social media. See, so there, we brought it back in. Um, So as an SVP of a leading technology company, highly sought after leadership mentor, keynote speaker and parent, Amy Van Atta Slater, through her insights on life, business, personal development, parenting and mindfulness, has inspired thousands of business professionals and creative thinkers to adjust, rethink and refocus in every field and walk of life. After graduating from the University of California at Berkeley, Amy soon became a noted leader in business, and 25 years later, she is consistently inspiring others towards greater levels of success. Motivating the masses with galvanizing speeches, Amy empowers others to build their brands and lead through the cultivation of culture. As a corporate strategy advisor and private executive mentor, Amy cultivates the development of core leadership skills combined with compassion, mindfulness, and authenticity. Her unique approach to leadership development has garnered Amy coveted keynote speaking opportunities such as the 2014 Forrester Research Convention, as a panelist at the Domo Women in Business Tour, and as a featured speaker at the 2016 Aptus Accelerated Conference in San Francisco. Passionate about her responsibilities as a parent, Amy brings her message home, modeling resilience, strength, authenticity, compassion and gratitude for her three daughters. So again, Amy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was kind of a mouthful, I think, but thanks. It's always fun when we get to hear our own bios. We're always thinking, ooh, I like that person. Um, you know, and, and but it it is so fun. And you know, I love this that you've been in business for 25 years. You have a daughter who's 20 and then two younger girls. And I'm sorry, but you're like 18 years old. I'm not sure how this works. Um, but but yeah, it's uh we we did uh first meet on uh, social media. And what we really want to talk about is this great book that you have written, and it just came out not long ago. It's called Moments, Magic, Miracles, and Martinis, How to Move Forward in Times of Uncertainty. That's right. Cool. And I love this book. It's not a long book. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking. It's 76 pages long. So, you know, it's, it's a short book, fast read, but tons of great information. And I think that's why I like it is you, you'd say what needs to be said in the space that needs to say it. There's not a lot of flip flaff. There's not a lot of fluff, drivel, kumbaya. It just makes sense. And so first tell us, why did you decide to write this book? Yes. So about six years ago, I'd say my life took a pretty big turn downward. Mm-hmm. And after 
thinking I was leading a pretty positive life and what I was striving for was perfection. <laughs> I realized uh, it's about six years ago that that was sort of a futile effort. And mm-hmm. um, I happened to begin a process of going through divorce. I had some illness. Uh, my father was diagnosed with a terminal illness of Lewy body dementia with Parkinson's. And I really couldn't sustain this um, facade of perfection. And I kind of crashed. Okay. And there were some, a few moments of inspiration that woke me out of this state. And I knew I had to do something different. And I talk about that in the first chapter of my book, which is titled Cry. That's really the first mm-hmm. thing you do when faced with uncertainty. I cry. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, it was Brene Brown was really this inspiration that said, it's okay to be vulnerable. Let yourself go. And mm-hmm. I sat on the edge of my couch sobbing for about 20 minutes. And just this, actually, just this weekend, I had dinner with a friend who's going through something similar. And she said, she watched that too. And she said, did you sob? I said, yes, I sobbed. And mm-hmm. really that was the beginning of my own personal journey. And when I came out the other side, I thought, I'd like to share. I'd like to share my stories. And I was on with my own coach. And I mm-hmm. said, I think I'd like to write a book one day. And he said, what's stopping you? I'm like, oh, right. That would be me. Uh-huh. Right. So once I made the claim, and that's another chapter, decide, declare, and do what it takes. Once I decided, mm-hmm. then uh, the book started to write itself. Right. Well, and I like that you say, you know, we decide to do something, but it's not until we declare it that it actually really starts taking shape. And, and you know, whether it's declaring to the world, to another person, all these various things, that's kind of that little inspiration or the, 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 well, I've told people I have to do it. So now I have to do it moment. Yeah. Because somehow we can't always remain accountable just to ourselves. So that Mm -hmm. if we tell somebody else that level of accountability skyrockets. And I know if I tell someone I'm going to do something, I do it. I'm not always that way with myself. I might tell myself and then give myself an excuse not to do it. But if Mm -hmm. I tell someone else and then another person, another person, they'll say, Hey, how's that book going? What am right. I going to say? No, I'm not writing it. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. So it, it does help with that degree of accountability. Right. So you, you really do in the book explain and, and talk a lot about what happened to you personally. You know, was that really difficult or was it kind of a cathartic process or kind of all of the above? I'd say all of the above because, because they're personal stories. It was easy to write because mm-hmm. it just, I lived the I lived the life and it was easy mm-hmm. for me to communicate. It was not until I published it, which I did I did self-publishing, that there was kind of that oh crap moment. <laughs> like uh-huh. right. and I, and everybody's gonna read. gonna read it. I had a colleague from work mm-hmm. say, Wow, that's really an amazing accomplishment, but so bold and what courage you must have had. He said, Now I'm really gonna know you. And I said, Mm -hmm. well, I think you already know me because I try to live an authentic life, but Mm -hmm. you're right. And then that made me think, oh no, they're really going to know, but I don't have anything. I don't have anything to hide. And if it means that one person is inspired by my vulnerability and my openness, and I've thankfully been receiving a lot of feedback from people who, who have been touched by it and who then feel their own sense of freedom that they can share and they can be more vulnerable then then it's, then it's worth it. But there was that moment hence the title of the book, but there was that Mm -hmm. moment of my own uncertainty that, oh gosh, but in the writing of it, I never thought, oh, I shouldn't tell this or I shouldn't tell Mm -hmm. that because then that wouldn't be real. Right. 
Well, and you don't go into details, you know, particularly regarding your divorce. You just say, we got a divorce. You know, there's there's nothing in there. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of assuming that part of that is because you do have these three daughters. And there's not, you know, this was not the place to air dirty laundry. And you co-parent and all of those various things. And, you know, yeah, the... TMI doesn't always work. Absolutely. And that's, and that's what I like to help people understand is being authentic doesn't mean giving everybody each gory detail. It means right. we all go through it for various reasons, and it isn't a matter of pointing blame. It's the fact of divorce that is mm-hmm. a challenge. Whether you want it or don't want it, you know, whatever it is, isn't the point. The point right. is it stinks. and. Mm-hmm. Everybody can. Everybody who goes through it can relate to it, even in the most amicable. So the point is not to write a book on, you know, airing airing dirty laundry at all. And I have a lot of respect for my ex husband as well, who's a very active father and engaged mm-hmm. with with the children. That there's right. no reason. There's no reason for that. It's really just to no. talk about our own moment in time when we say, "How do I move forward? What do I do? Mm-hmm. My life looks different now." Right. Well, and, you know, there is such a thing as kind of wallowing in mm. it when somebody just goes into that. You know, I've, I've got some Facebook friends who, you know, we know every detail. And, you know, and, and, and I understand sometimes that's the only place people can vent. And, and they, you know, they do need to vent. Now, maybe it might mean that they needed to see a counselor or, you know, somebody like that. But then pretty soon it reaches the, oh, please just get on with your life stage. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't want to keep seeing the venting months years later and and i think that's where people kind of fall down is they do think well you know they're my friends they've they've said how are you Uh and you know and then and and obviously people have bad days and and things like that but yes like okay if the reader looks at it or reads it and says again (laughs) maybe it's it was too much exactly and and that's that's another place where you talk about being able to make choices we get to choose what story we want to tell and if we want to play the victim. And it's not right. to discount people's pain and sorrow and sadness, right. but at some point you have to decide, is this the story that I'm going to write or I'm mm-hmm. going to write a right. different story for myself? And mm-hmm. and I always, my question when people are going through it, I just talked to someone just the other day, someone I just was introduced to and was said she was going through it. And I said, and how are you? I didn't say mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Because that's right. what everyone would say to me. And I said, well, why are you sorry? Mm-hmm. I made this choice. It happened. It happened. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. asked her, I just said, and how are you doing? And still mm-hmm. saying I'm sorry, because I hate when people say that. I just said, and how are you doing? She says, you know what? I think we're going to make it and it's going to be okay. And mm-hmm. and that's really where you go instead of hearing, you know, everybody's last detail. And then, you know, you talk about social media, right? There's a time and place for things to be on social media. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever said boo about right. my divorce on social media mm-hmm. because that's not where it belongs. Mm-hmm. In my right. opinion, and that's my that's just my opinion, but I don't think it belongs there. Mm-hmm. And I love the whole, you know, we have a status on Facebook where we're married, single, it's a complicated relationship, all those various things. And, you know, I've had people who've come to me and said, what do I do? Because, you know, we are separated, we are divorcing, you know, it's going to tell the world that I've done that. And, you know, and, and it's like, well, you know, you, you change your relationship status and then you move on. Yeah, um, just I, I like just removed else. it altogether. I don't right. even know yeah. at the time. And, and it was weird. My ex-husband right. you and I, don't have to you don't have even that. have to have a status that says whether you're single or not single. Who mm-hmm. cares? I just, right. I just take it off altogether. And that's what we yeah. did. And we were cautious about it 
given that we had children on Facebook and right. we didn't need to you know go what, announcing it. At two o'clock in the morning. Right. <laughs> no, one's, no one's paying attention. Exactly. Right, right. Except for those old enough to be always be awake at two in the morning, but that's yes. different. Yes. That, yeah, they have different issues, but, but it's, it's funny. I'm a huge Big Bang Theory fan. And, and one of the episodes I was watching the other night, one of the, the boys was dating somebody and, and they were concerned because her Facebook status still said single. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it was funny because it became this big issue that she wasn't saying that she was in a relationship and, you know, and, and should he say it first or should, you know, and, and all these things. And, and I think that's where social media kind of trips us up is we, we do get concerned about things that really aren't anybody else's business. Oh, it, it, it's so true. And, and just a, a personal example, I have, as I mentioned, my youngest daughter is 11 and mm-hmm. she doesn't have school today, but um, she had a friend over yesterday and they've got their phones and she just got her phone and, but she's been socially, social media aware for a while. And we were mm-hmm. at dinner and I said, this is a no phone zone. So we're going to put our phones right. away. And then at one point, I think I got some message or something that I had Uh-oh. to respond to one of my other daughters. Mm-hmm. And I said, I need to take this. I said, you get two minutes and I know you guys, your phone's been buzzing. You get two minutes, right? Okay. In, so then it was fair. So it was fair. And in that two mm-hmm. minutes, they had different friends texting them saying, are you having a sleepover with so-and-so? Why are you having a sleepover with so-and-so? Mm-hmm. And then the girls got all agitated. They got right. annoyed. They felt bad. Then they had to tell them or not tell them. And I said, okay, phones down and mm-hmm. put them away. I said, you do not owe anyone an explanation and they can no. wait. And you don't need to have that, that answer for them mm-hmm. in this moment. And right. when, what I realized is in that two minutes, the level of anxiety at the table went way up and we started talking about it. We started talking about mm-hmm. the drama. We started talking mm-hmm. about jealousy. We started to talk about the impacts of social media. So it was kind of created a great conversation. Right. I brought mm-hmm. up the four agreements, which was so great. These 11 year old girls talking about being impeccable with your word and not assuming mm-hmm. that you know things and always do your best. And it gave mm-hmm. me this teaching moment right. and social media. I mean, and I see it in the kids today. It can be so damaging. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and of course, with kids that age, in 10 minutes, they were on to something else. Mm-hmm. And so by not even responding, it became a non-issue, mm-hmm. hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until, you know, until they get their phones back and right. know, there's all the, there's all this drama again. But yes, yeah, there's there's a lot. There's a, certainly a lot to learn, but certainly in terms of people's personal lives as adults and divorce and things. And people are looking for a community. And that's that's a big reason why I wrote this book was for people to feel like, gosh, I'm not alone. I'm not right. alone in this, mm-hmm. on, on this journey that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, like I said at the start, you've got such good positive tips. And, and I just, there's, there's a whole 13 chapters. And I just want to read the titles of the chapters because I think they're so very important. Um, and, and I loved in the very end, you actually made it a, kind of a, uh, um, here's how to move forward paragraph. So you mentioned cry. And I think, you know, whether we cry or not, it's, it's acknowledging that there might be something happening, mm-hmm. you know, and not, you know, we, we do like to be the ostrich and, you know, put our heads in the sand and ignore that something is happening. And, and whether you cry, whether you, you know, run away from home for a day, whatever it is, we do have to acknowledge that, mm-hmm. but then it is about going on. And so then you say, stop complaining. Slow down, be authentic, decide, declare, and do what it takes. Be the change. Let it go. Heal from the inside out. Find magic. Choose gratitude. Love unconditionally. Stand for something. Move toward 
the beginning. And and I love all of that because it, you know, obviously you wrote the book with that in mind mm-hmm. to be able to flow like that, but it really was something that, you know, now we're, it's not, you have to do this step, then that step, then that step. I mean, it's, it's definitely not one of those, but like the, the chapter on slow down, I mean, that really hit me because I've had to slow down for medical reasons. And I was one of those people that, you know, I tell people, you know, there's only 28 hours in my day mm-hmm. and and, you know, when you have a health issue that says you will slow down and you may be slow for the rest of your life, it's like, oh, hmm, well, I can either see this as this sucks or wow, okay, now I can look at things differently. And, and you know, yeah, there are days where it's like I'm not a happy camper, but it, it has given me that opportunity. I think so many people forget that and especially career women and career women with families because there's there really isn't enough hours in their day. And and I love the examples you give in the book where you talk about the fact that you do just take the time, especially with your, your daughters, to slow down and really enjoy them. It, it certainly has made a difference in my life because for so many years, it was just keeping up. And like you said, having small babies and having a full time job and having a marriage and all of mm-hmm. these things that you have quote unquote to do mm-hmm. it, you can just get sucked. You can just get sucked in and then, and then not be present. And so right. when I made a conscious decision to slow down, it really has changed. It's really changed my relationship with my children. And I never would have had the conversation I did last night with these 11 mm-hmm. year old girls, right? Because I would have just passed it by or what have you, but I try I'm not certainly never going to claim perfection on anything anymore, but uh, really try, try to stay present uh, to, um, to help the kids learn and grow Mm -hmm. at a younger age than I did. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that that also works with coworkers and and the the people that you associate that aren't your family? Yes, absolutely. And, And in fact, it's interesting in the last couple of months when I come into the office, I, and I greet my team. I call them family. I said, there's my family mm-hmm. because I want them right. to feel that. But yes, I do. Uh, we do focus a lot on, on slowing down and some things that I make really a, a, a best practice that I've learned over the course of my career when I have people that, um, that work for me is that we do one-on-ones and that we mm-hmm. meet and I am religious about keeping that time, even as crazy as my schedule gets. I always make sure that we make the time, even if it's just 30 minutes, to sit mm-hmm. down, to touch base, and have that moment to slow down. I have a, right. I went and got some inexpensive little waterfall thing that I stick in my office that runs, and people walk in like, oh, it feels like a spa, because I want people to walk in the door and take a deep breath. Right, and kind of go, <sighs> yeah, and sort of catch their, catch their, catch their breath and sit down mm-hmm. and then talk about business, because there's just something about that that, that forces that slowing down in this, mm-hmm. in this corporate world, that's, um, all kinds of, you know, deadlines and, uh, commitments and all of that. It's really to take that deep breath and, uh, and slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I, I can't obviously speak for your daughters, but having that special time is just so special. You know, um, I still remember that my father who was very busy and he worked a lot of evenings and, and weekends because of his job. To me, some of the, and I mean, this would have been many, many years ago. My favorite memories are still of him reading to me at night. Mm. 
you know, and sometimes it was 10 minutes, sometimes it was longer, but you know, just the fact that he took the time now I am an only child. So that did help. But you know, the fact that he took the time out of his really, really busy day to spend that time with me, I, you know, it just, it meant the world to me. It does. It's actually so, some of my fondest memories of my father as well. He would read and he would read Shakespeare because it's so hard to read a play on your own. And, uh-huh. and he would, we would sit in the living room on the couch and he would take a role and I would take a role and my sister would take a role and we would act out the Shakespeare. But those like you, those are some of those fondest memories. Mm-hmm. And, and I want my kids to be able to have that same, that same experience. And right. uh, no matter how old, uh, the, the kids are. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because we get spoiled, you know, when, when my dad wasn't able to do that, I was annoyed. Yes. You know? <laughs> it was like, what, what the heck is going on? Why is he too busy for me? And, you know, and then of course I, I realized it wasn't that he wasn't wanting to spend time with me. It was that, you know, even though he wanted to, he simply couldn't. Yeah. My mom, my dad used to be home every night for dinner if, with the exception of his travel and my mom would have dinner on the table at six o'clock sharp. And mm-hmm. she said that if it was not six o'clock sharp, my sister and I would be standing at the kitchen door. When is dinner? Because it was, yeah. it was that, it was that exactly. It was, uh-huh. that, commi- uh-huh. it was that commitment. It was that family mm-hmm. time. It was predictable. And I think that's something that's also so important for kids is that degree of predictability and right. uh, whether it's, you know, traditions that are holiday traditions or whatever kinds of family traditions, but it's really having that predictability. And, and then, especially then when you have the case of divorce, when things get turned upside down, how mm-hmm. do you, how can you stay consistent across, across two households? And then, right. and that poses its own challenges. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you have kids at home and kids away at school. And so that makes it even more challenging. Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, it makes me laugh because I think people always say, oh, now your kids are out of the house. Easy peasy. Uh-uh. Because you're dealing with a whole nother set of things of them being on their own. And how do I do this? And I have a daughter who's now studying abroad in Europe. And she's having to find mm-hmm. her way. And I have to wire her money. And she's having to find her own place. And mm-hmm. do all these things at the age of 19. Right. And and so your parenting doesn't ever stop. As I'm sure right. everybody listening, all the parents are saying, mm-hmm. exactly right. I mean... I'm 50 years old and I still want my mom a lot of times and I call mm-hmm. her, I call her for help. So it's just something about that, that relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think in, you know, unfortunately what I have seen a lot of, whether it's my friends or my family or whoever is we don't take that time because we get so busy and, and then something happens and you do think, oh gosh, you know, I, I don't have that opportunity anymore. Even if it's just to say hi or send them a text. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, all those things. Um, you know, we, uh, had, uh, I had a good friend who died several weeks ago and, you know, the, the fact that I can, I cannot tell him, Hey, you know, I, I thank you for your friendship. I mean, that just, that bothers me. Mm-hmm. I hear you. And, and it's so important to make that conscious effort to tell people the way that you feel. And that's something that I certainly have learned over time and, and something that I feel, I feel sad about related to my dad while my dad is still living, as you've read mm-hmm. in the book. He has Lewy body dementia and he has no cognitive capabilities. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I, I just wish, you know, that I could say all those things that I wanted mm-hmm. to say, but there's never that time. And, and I think I'm sure he knows how oh, much yes. I love him, mm-hmm. but you just mm-hmm. feel like it's a missed opportunity. So right. with everybody else that's still alive and can think and understand, I really want to make a point of letting people know how I feel because so many times, and I know 
this is areas where we often fall down in uh, relationships, marriage or, or otherwise, when we think nice things about somebody, but we don't mm-hmm. always say them. Right. Or we might tell and other we people. Always, we might tell other people, right. oh, my husband's so great. He said, but you mm-hmm. never tell him. Right. And we always think, oh, we can do that tomorrow, yes. ne- you know, whenever and, and all those things. And, and, you know, things like that happen. You and, and you address that in your book with your daughter where she was always, you know, she, she hit that stage where she, she really wanted that affirmation mm-hmm. and, and she would keep telling you, I love you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talk, that was very moving to me. So talk about that story. Yes. So again, going through different transitions and being in different, in different households, and and I think just people coming and going. My youngest daughter, um, sort of when when in doubt or feeling uncertain, would always say to me, kind of with a question in her voice, "I love you," and mm-hmm. and I'd say, "I love you too, sweetheart." And then a couple minutes might go by, and I'm just quiet and silent and working and in my head. And somehow she translates that as a disconnection, that I'm uh-huh. disconnected from her. And they would come out again, "I love you," "I love you." And Mm -hmm. finally, I just asked her and I said, you know, why is it, sweetheart, that you keep feeling that need? And she had this fear. She had a fear Mm -hmm. of my going away or when I travel that she wouldn't have had that type of that type of connection. Mm -hmm. And so I make sure that, you know, she knows where I am at all at all times when I'm Mm -hmm. coming and going, when my plane lands, when my plane takes off, because it's that way for her to feel, to feel that added connection. And it's needing that affirmation. And, mm-hmm. um, and then it, and then it dissipates. But I also noticed that when she gets in trouble, she will, ah. she, she also <laughs> says that. Too. Remember mom? Mm-hmm. Because it's that whole fear that love is conditional. And mm-hmm. so I, so I've had that conversation with her as well, that my love for you is unconditional. If you mm-hmm. have do something wrong or have bad behavior, it's bad behavior. It does not mean right. I do not love you. And so I think it's mm-hmm. so, I have found how important it is to reinforce and talk with children about that, that when they are in trouble, it is not about them as, as a person. It's about the behavior. And we all hear it. We read it in books and all of that. But I really noticed, I've just noticed a, a change in the way that I approach it and just being honest with them to help them understand Mm-hmm. Um, instead of just assuming we make a lot of assumptions that even kids know what it is that we're thinking or doing or why we're doing it. But a lot of times we really just need to spell it out. Right. And unfortunately, we've all heard the stories of, you know, people saying the last words that I said to someone were in anger, were, you know, I, I didn't respond, all of those various things. And and I mean, it sounds silly and trite, but, you know, take the time to tell somebody, you know, what they mean to you. Yeah. And, and even you asked how I, how do I translate some of these things into business? I've also made a concerted effort to change the language I use, even in, in written emails with people ah that I work with, not necessarily who work mm-hmm. for me, anybody, for example, that I work with, I, I think we all throw around the word thanks, thank you mm-hmm. a lot. Right. And I try, when I'm being mindful, I try to change it up a little bit and tell people that I'm grateful, that I'm grateful mm-hmm. for the work that they did ah. or that I appreciate mm-hmm. you. Because mm-hmm. thank you is is kind of like hello, right? Mm-hmm. Or hello, goodbye, thank you, thanks. And, How are you? Fine. Yeah, fine. And, there, and it's really... I, it's so much more important to make it personal and that mm-hmm. I appreciate the energy that you put into this and I appreciate your mm-hmm. commitment. I try to make it more than 
thanks for your hard work, which is nice. Mm -hmm. I, it's still important nice. to say thank you. Mm -hmm. But I think to be able to really make someone feel that it's something that they did personally that made a difference. Um, mm -hmm. So I try to I try to weave that kind of language in um, because I think that's so important for people to mm -hmm. feel. I mean, in companies, the number one reason why people leave jobs is because they don't feel valued. Right. Um, you know, and sometimes it's just the whole sentence as opposed to thanks. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they just, and, and we're not saying that people are, well, you know, sometimes they are a little bit needy, but it, it is nice to be recognized. Yeah. And, and it just, it also, it is nice to be recognized. And then when people feel valued, guess what? Mm -hmm. They also work harder. Right. Not that they even always need to work harder, but they feel better about the work they do. They feel inspired. And mm -hmm. and then you get you can get greater innovation when you take that extra time just to appreciate someone, which just takes a few a few words or a few changes right. in words. You know, and, and it's it's actually a conscious decision that I made several years ago was to, to try and do things like that. Um, and with people who you typically don't, you know, so maybe it's the the person who uh, is serving you your fast food or, you know, all of those various things, this, just taking the extra five seconds to say, Hey, thanks. Mm -hmm. You know, thank you. And to look them in the, the eye and smile so that they know you're actually paying attention and not just, ah, eh, thanks, you know, and, and, and brushing them off. But to, and you know, I don't, it seems to me like I get a lot of smiles back. I get a, well, thank you, mm. you know, back from them, all of those various things. And it makes my day feel better, but hopefully I made their day feel better too. Absolutely. My kids tease me a lot of times when we do go out to restaurants or stores or what have you, and someone's helping us. And I will say, cause it may, may, sometimes they don't have a name tag and I'll say, and what is your name? Mm -hmm. And then I use their name in a sentence and my kids, right. and my kids say, that was awkward. I said, what was awkward? Did I use their name? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I said, well, they have a name. Right. <laughs> I should use it. And, mm -hmm. or if we're at a restaurant and someone does say their name and then I'll say, thank you, Susie, for, mm -hmm. for the delivering the food. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And like my kids look at me and I said, she's a person too. Right. And, right. and it, people feel so awkward, but why not? <laughs> we should, mm -hmm. we should be. And then I'll mm -hmm. say, and my name is Amy. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what it's about. It's about making, right. it's about making connections. Right. And, and not just that's the server, that's the waitress, that's the, the, the whoever it is. It's that they are a person. Absolutely. And I've made some amazing connections with people in 10 minutes. I actually wrote a blog about it, about a woman that I met in a, in a candle store, in a bath and body mm -hmm. works store. And we made this amazing connection in 10 minutes. And now we communicate on, on social media, email, what have you. From a 10-minute mm -hmm. conversation at a candle store, right. found, we found a connection. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and uh, part of that comes back to that original slowing down, you know, to stop and think, how could I connect with this person today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really where, that's where the magic in the title of my book is finding magic in these moments. It's these mm -hmm. moments in time that can change your life, even if just for a moment, it changes right. your life. And sometimes just that moment is just all you need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It gives you that extra little lift. I mean, my kids had dumped me and said, we're going to go shopping on our own. And so I just wandered into the store and, mm -hmm. and then started talking with this person and made this, made this great connection and changed each other's lives mm -hmm. just in that, right. in that 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. One of the chapters that you've got in your book is called let it go. And it, that's one of those that was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. And 
and because we we hang on to things and they fester and they they take on a life of their own you ever notice that you know it it, it becomes much more than it originally was so but why is it so important that we just kind of you know let things go i think if you think about you know i think about our our brains and our hearts and our psyche and all of that there's only so much room mm-hmm. to keep things in there and I think most people would want to fill, fill it with good things. And mm-hmm. so the more we hold on to the negative pieces, there isn't any room to fill it with the positive things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's really, I was um, coaching someone the other day and we were talking about just a lot of stressors in her life. And I said, you know, if you can remove just one, you'll create space for something good to take its place. Right. And that's why we have to let go. Because Mm -hmm. first of all, there's that whole mind-body connection, right? The more you hold on to things, it's not good for your body, right? Mm -hmm. Because things fester and then literally do take their toll like mine. And I talk about my own own issues. Um, But you have to make space. You have to, you take something out leaves room to put something in. You think about, I love clothes and things. And so, but until I clean out my closet, I can't buy something else because there's no room. There's no room Mm -hmm. for something new. And so you think about that with our minds and our hearts and our souls and our spirit, that if we don't let go of some of the things that are bogging us down, we're limiting, we're limiting Mm -hmm. ourselves and our experiences. If you have a calendar that's too full, that's, that's part of the slow down thing too. The let it go and slow down go together that if you can open up space in your calendar and have a day, I used to be so fearful of having a calendar that was empty, like uh-huh. for a day. <gasps> What's right. wrong with me? I'm a loser. Mm-hmm. I have nobody nothing loves to do. me. Nobody loves mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. then, and then I would end up having the most miraculous day. I'd take a hike. I'd see flowers. I'd listen to the birds. I mean, it sounds hokey finokey, but I would just have this. And then I, then someone would call and say, "Hey, are you free to go grab a bite to eat?" Well, yes, I am free. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was great. And so right. sometimes those are the best times because more often than mm-hmm. not, my friends are saying, well, when are you going to be free? When are you going to be free? And it's those times when you, you've got to leave some open space for, mm-hmm. for those things. So that's why letting go is so important. Right. And, you know, we, we've got to do far less complaining, um, you know, because that is part of all of this too, is, is when we start complaining, it, it does just kind of fester. And it's funny, I was reading a, a post from somebody on Facebook earlier today, and it was somebody who's getting ready to take a trip. And she went into this litany of reasons she wasn't looking forward to it, <laughs> you know, and, and on and on and on and on and on and on. And then she ended with, but I'll focus on the positive. <laughs> And I thought, then why did you even write this? Right. I mean, it was just—it was one of those things. And so part of me was thinking, okay, well, maybe that—that that was how she cleared her head. Was okay. I've complained about it. Now I'm done with it. Right. But but then of course other people posted and kept talking about those bad things, you know. And and it was like, ah, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah. I was just someone sent me a funny funny YouTube clip from a comedian, and it was all about sort of cell phones, technology, and flying. And how, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's amazing that we can get on an airplane and actually have Wi-Fi. I mean, right. Pretty spectacular. And he was mm-hmm. making fun of the people who would be on the plane and they find out that, you know, this great plane has a new super high-speed Wi-Fi, blah, 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 first flight that has it and things. 
and it worked for about half the flight, and then right, and then it. And oh, and then they like, threw a and fit. And then they throw a fit. Oh man, I can't believe this damn plane, this stupid airline. These things always happen. Are you kidding me? You're communicating with people fifty thousand feet below, you know, miles right. below, miles below, uh-huh. you, right? And you're like, mm-hmm. excuse me, this is technology at its finest, right? Mm-hmm. And then people right. just want right. to complain. Mm-hmm. And they just feel, and you had meant, talked about complaining before, and I was thinking that sometimes people complain and hold on to things like the being the victim and all of that because it's safe. Right. It's what they know. And it's their identity. And their identity is wrapped up in it and this type of, this type of mentality. And that's why people don't want to let it go because that's comfortable. And they don't mm-hmm. know. They don't know what they would do without it, just like people who mm-hmm. identify sort of you know, and the things about divorce will plague them or losing a job or being, you know, a child of divorce. Oh, it's my parents' fault that I'm screwed up, you know, 50 mm-hmm. years later. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think you have a choice now. I think you have a choice mm-hmm. to rewrite your own story. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, not to ignore that these things happen, but there's a point when you have to make a choice to move on. Mm-hmm. Well, and in a lot of ways, when all of this really negative things were happening to you, you chose, you know, and and you did have a fairly positive mindset. How did that work? I don't know. By the grace of God, I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, I think it really was by having some positive inspiration in my life from others. Lots of reading, lots of reading. And I was never the kind of person that would read, and I still to this day don't self-discovery books or self-help books that give me a formula. Step one, right. step two, step three, step four. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I mean, while I do well with following directions, that didn't work for me. It was much more about storytelling and, mm-hmm. and reading other people's stories about how they moved through things. Um, you know, Don Miguel Ruiz was a big influence in, in the four agreements really being a foundation for how I wanted to move, to move forward and how I wanted mm-hmm. to live my life. Brene Brown, my coach, Chris Doris, really about, you know, looking inward and finding Mm -hmm. the positive things. Because so many times our outlook on life, which is negative, is because we feel our own sort of shame or or lack of being worthy or what have you. And so you got to turn inside first. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that really helped me turn it around and said, this is up to me. This Mm is my my path. And I can either choose to be negative or positive. And I always say when I, when I talk to people that I don't, that, that is not every day. Every day I don't feel great. Every day Mm -hmm. I don't feel great, but every day I do have a choice. And I even have to remind myself when I feel like wallowing in self-pity because something didn't go my way, I do it. I try to keep it contained and then Mm -hmm. say, okay, this is where you make the choice. You can Mm -hmm. be Right. In this mood the rest of the day, or you can turn yourself around. And sometimes I just let it go and I just complain, 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 complain out loud, out loud to myself, right? Mm-hmm. And I sort of like, you know, into a, a brown paper bag, throw away right. the bag and say, okay, like you said, sometimes you need that release mm-hmm. and then, and then choose to walk away from it. And I just found that when I did that exercise that I talk about not complaining for 24 hours, mm-hmm. I was so stunned with the amazing things that I was able to see in that period Mm -hmm. of time that I'm convinced that I need to continue that path. And, and it's a practice. It's a practice like Mm -hmm. anything. Meditation is a practice. Yoga is a practice. Art artists have to practice 
athletes have to practice. Guess what? Being positive is a practice. You right. have to yeah. practice being that way. It's not right. just this natural thing because misery loves company, right? There are all mm-hmm. these kind of quotes about us wanting to get together to complain because it feels good. Mm-hmm. Well, and things happen. I mean, you know, you get caught in bad traffic. You know, the the line at the grocery store is way long. All these various things. But, you know, you don't, like you said, you don't have to wallow in it. You know, it's like, okay, this is annoying, but now we're moving on. Yeah. And and when they're, and, and that's the thing, you know, I commute a, a, a lot. And people are always flabbergasted when they hear that I commute. Oftentimes, it could be sometimes four hours in a day, two hours one way, oh. two hours back. And a lot of that is because of traffic. Right. And, while it's kind of tough on my body, I actually sometimes enjoy that time. Sometimes the mm-hmm. ride, if it goes by too fast, I think, oh gosh, I didn't have that, I wasn't able to have that phone call, right. or I couldn't mm-hmm. listen to mm-hmm. those songs I wanted to listen to, or the podcast I wanted to listen to. And mm-hmm. and I just look around and, oh my gosh, the sun and the sunrise that I get to see and driving across the Golden Gate Bridge. And so I have to remind myself that, okay, I'm sitting in traffic. I could get all edgy about it, but what's that? Gonna, mm-hmm. That's not going to give me right. Anything. You're still going to be stuck. I'm still going to be stuck in traffic, and so there are just a lot of a lot of lessons about staying staying present and in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, and and it does matter who we surround ourselves with and and what we do. You know, I, I mentioned that that I had some health issues where I had lots. Of, I have I have a fabulous support system. I mean, you know, it's it's been just. Uh, a humbling to me how many people have have come out and and have shown their concern and their care but you know a lot of them have sent me books <laughs> you need to read this book well i don't care how celebrity x or person y got through this you know it doesn't matter to me i don't you know no i don't care about that and i didn't participate in any support groups now i understand support groups do have their places and you know and, and are often you know very positive but I thought, why? In fact, somebody somebody actually said to me, "You mean you don't want to just go and sit and cry with all those people?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, no, right. <laughs> no, not so much. <laughs> not on my list today, right?" Yeah, yeah, you know, and and you know, and yeah, you snuffle, and you know, maybe you have big snuffles, but you, then you pick yourself up and you go on. Yeah, and I know my mom, uh, who is the, had been the caregiver for most of the time for my dad. Now he's mm-hmm. in, a, in a nursing facility. She didn't really do much of that either because that's what she said. She'd go there. And first of all, a lot of the people, when she went to the support group, they're the people's spouses who were also ill were much further along in their illness. Mm-hmm. And they would talk about all those things. And my mom said, you know what? I don't really want to know what's coming. Oh, no, that wasn't what she was looking yeah, for. Yeah. I don't want to hear about that stage. I'm trying to live with what I've got right here and now. I don't mm-hmm. really want to know when it's going to get that bad. She goes, because I'm going to live it. I can mm-hmm. wait to actually do right. it. And she said, so for her, kind of the same thing you said, that really wasn't helpful. That wasn't helpful for her. Well, now, you know, if somebody is going through a challenging time, and, and I know that you work with people like this in your consultation business, how do you really work with people to show them that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, maybe is the easiest way to put it? Really what I do is... Um, is I have them think about times when they got through uncertainty before. Okay. And then I also have them, while I want them to stay present, I also want them to look ahead because this is one of the strategies I use is that I typically don't let myself down. And I think, what is life going to look like when I'm on the other side of it? And I mm-hmm. think of all the possibilities 
and the opportunity of really great things that'll be just on the other side of uncertainty, because that's Mm -hmm. really what uncertainty is. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity for something different. It just means we don't know what that might be. And so Mm -hmm. we do a lot of things really trying to, um, to visualize what those positive things are and then Mm -hmm. work backwards. So instead of having this big daunting space between now and this uncertainty and uncertain times, I said, let's put a stake in the ground of what do you want it to look like? Mm-hmm. What great thing do you want to have happen as a result of this? And let's work your way back to see how right. you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. And I have one, a, a client who's um, looking to retire soon and she's trying to figure out how to work this financially. And so she's doing some things and I said, okay, where do you want to be when and in, in, in what month? And she said, well, I want to have this by March of 2017. I said, great. When do you need to now start? So let's go mm-hmm. backwards. And I want you to come back with a calendar and write down all the dates and the things that have to happen so that you know when you have to start. Mm-hmm. And, she, and I said, so she came back and said, when do you need to start? She said, in two weeks. And she said, <laughs> well, at least it wasn't two years yeah, ago. But she was so, she was so happy and she had mm-hmm. it on a piece of paper, not on a computer, nothing like that, written out months of these calendars. And she started filling in dates and she said, I feel so good. Mm-hmm. Because now I have a plan. Right. Well, and it's funny because we tell businesses that they have to have goals and that they have to be measurable and, and all of these things. And then in our personal life, we're like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and then we're we're upset when things don't turn out the way we wanted them to. Yeah. I, I had a, a conversation with someone just about that yesterday and he made this analogy. He said, you know, having a life without goals it's like having a city without streets. Like, how do mm-hmm. you know? How do you know where to go? Right. And how do you know when you need to make changes? You know, that's it, because that's the big thing in business. You know, okay, if this plan didn't work, then what's plan B? Mm-hmm. And you know, and and I do find it funny that we typically do just kind of see what's going to happen in our life, and but then we're we really are upset, and you know, when when things don't come out that way, and whether it's with your health or your marriage or your friendships or your career, all of those various things, you know, you got to be aiming for something. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I've tried to do, and I try to share with friends, children, anyone that will listen, is is to take, you know, take a pulse every so often, and says. On a scale of zero to 10, how happy am I? Hmm. And the further away from 10 you are means you probably have to make some changes in your life in order to be happy. Not Mm -hmm. the, if I had more money, I'd be happy. If I had more time, I'd be happy. No, no, no. That's not the way Mm -hmm. you go. But really say, what, you know, what can take your happiness from a two to a a five or Mm -hmm. five to a seven or seven to a nine or nine to a 10? What are those things? And to, to take, take your temperature every so often to know, because like you said, otherwise we just sort of trip through life. Right. But if you can step back every so often and say, how happy am I when mm-hmm. I wake up each day? And I try to take that, I try to take that temperature and, and, and then you think, okay, by the end of the day, how happy am I? Am I still mm-hmm. happy? Or what, what is it that maybe made me less so? And then mm-hmm. you can start to fine tune those areas and you might say, you know what? Everything about my job right now is really, it's going pretty well. I feel good about it, but I'm not feeling so good because I haven't been exercising like I'd like to. How can I change that? Mm-hmm. And so really to break things down, it's so overwhelming. Uncertainty can just be this big, scary beast, but it doesn't right. have to be. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and, and as you're reviewing these goals and, and these things, you know, again, it comes back to personal accountability. You know, it can't be, well, I didn't get this job because she didn't like me or, you know, all of those various things. And okay. Yes, we do have those pity parties. We're just, you know, and we're not saying completely get rid of them because, but you know, you, you are you and you make the choices that lead to the things that happen to you and blaming everybody else all the time is not going to get you anywhere. It is not. It is not. And then those same people, if you're going to blame them, then they could never be someone that's going to help you either. Right. You know, and, and maybe the the blame has some validity, you know, and, and so it, it could be that you needed to reexamine it. So maybe it was that the boss, the boss in, you know, all quotes, mm-hmm. never really knew what you were doing. Or, you know, and so that comes back to accountability. You know, he didn't, he or she didn't know because you didn't tell them, but you know, they're not mind readers either. Or, you know, the spouse, the friend, the whoever, you know, maybe they didn't call you on Saturday because they didn't know you wanted called on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, that goes back to this, the whole four agreements of don't make assumptions. Don't assume Mm -hmm. that people know what it is you want. You have to ask. Right. And, you know, and, and at the very least, they're going to tell you no. Right. But they couldn't have, you know, they, they couldn't have any decision if you didn't at least give them some opportunity. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, really, we, we are challenged mainly by the the thoughts in our head. That I mean, I have dreamed up so many things in my head where I have ended relationships that never needed ending. I've done that in mm-hmm. my mind right. because I thought someone had wronged me when they really hadn't. Mm-hmm. They hadn't, but I made up this long story in my own head of what mm-hmm. I thought they did. And, and, and I know I, I work really hard, you know, not to play the what if game. And, mm-hmm. and I try certainly in, in helping support my mom as she's going through this with my dad. Well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? I said, we don't know. So right. let's talk about today. Mm-hmm. What are we going to yeah. do today? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. not what if, because you can what if yourself into all kinds of illness Right. And and other and other things that just don't serve you. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the what ifs should be turned more into uh, what are we planning for? Mm-hmm. You know, what if an example would be your father? You know, what if he needed a totally different type of care? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then that's going to mean a goal is different financial planning. You know, and and or some things like that. And so it's it's not you know that you can't do the what ifs. It's how to turn them into to something that and is some kind of action as opposed to just mm-hmm. what ifs all day long and then having ten right. what ifs for the same scenario. Well, then mm-hmm. that's a problem. So let's talk about what what should we do to change that? Because then I'll ask the question. So mm-hmm. what if that happens? What do you want to do? Do you think that that right. will happen? Well, I don't really think that will happen. Okay, great. Then let's not talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and, and again, we're not saying bury your head in the sand because you do have to be realistic, but it's it comes back to kind of taking charge of your own life. Mm-hmm. It does. So now what is the big takeaway that you have from going through all of this? I'd say the big t- takeaway for me is it's a couple of things. And, and one that I've talked about quite a bit is it's really about that that strive so many of us have for perfection. Mm-hmm. And in, in doing that, we build up barriers and walls and thinking that we can hide. And, but it doesn't really do much good to be hiding because then right. people can't, they can't find you. And then you can't, you can't see out either. And 
I know in my own life, as soon as I tore that wall down, I have been, I was blessed with really amazing connections, better connections with people that I knew and then new connections. Mm -hmm. And so in times of uncertainty, it, the the tendency is to want to run away and to hide. Right. Mm -hmm. But I say, you know, face it head on, tell people you are feeling uncertain and, and people will not judge you and, and to be, be soft and gentle with yourself first. Mm -hmm. And, and then all this, and then really great things happen. And so just keep your eyes open, keep your eyes Mm -hmm. open because there are things out there that you never dreamed of that could happen. You just have to be open to allow. I have a friend who says, hit the allow button and allow this to Ah, happen. I like that. Well, now I've been remiss because the title of the book is Moments, Magic, Miracles, and Martinis. So explain martinis. Yes. So the martinis comes from my medical uh, issue, um, which is uh, intestinal by nature. And Mm -hmm. so at a certain point, I eliminated alcohol from my diet for a a full year, which was fine, which was fine. And I wasn't a big drinker Mm -hmm. anyways. I'm like, oh, this is easy. Right. And then of course, when you take something away, you want it more. But anyhow, um, when I decided that I could try to drink again, um, I'm gluten-free and that I said, well, I'm going to try potato vodka. That sounds like, you know, something interesting. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, but potato vodka, you know, in and of itself is pretty strong and I'm, I'm Uh not a big person. So I thought, you know, I'll do a, a, a dirty martini, an extra dirty martini. And so that mm-hmm. sort of became my thing. And it was a little bit embarrassing sometimes to be out at business dinners with, you know, a lot of men. And then you're at the table asking for an extra dirty martini. And you always had to repeat it because the waiter could never hear it. And then you're yelling, right. you're yelling the words uh-huh. extra dirty at this table and you're feeling a little self-conscious. And so, but I, at some point I said, you know what? Embrace it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. With it. What, are you, right. what are you ashamed of? You're asking for a drink. And mm-hmm. so- the reason I put it in the title is because it's, it represents, you know, one of the chapters really stand for something. Don't mm-hmm. be ashamed if you're standing for, you know, whether it's, you know, women's rights or, um, some other kind of, you're an advocate for something, an advocate mm-hmm. for yourself, not right. to feel ashamed for standing mm-hmm. for something. And so martinis was really a symbol for that ability to stand for something and, 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 and be able to, 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 to make that claim. And I kind of mm-hmm. joke in a uh, joke in the book that now if I get together with people that already know me or I've been out with, you know, I said, there's always a, there's an extra dirty martini waiting for me at my seat. If I said, I if I said, Oh, I just like a glass of red wine, then I'm just like everybody else. Right. So mm-hmm. it's okay to stand out. It's okay to mm-hmm. be different and it's okay, um, to, to be represented by something that, you know, you might otherwise feel embarrassed about. Right. Right. Well, we don't have very long left. So Amy, tell us a little bit more about what you do and how people can connect with you. Sure. So uh, I have a a corporate job, um, as you mentioned, and I run sales operations, which is super exciting. And I've had an opportunity to to speak about things like social selling. Uh, I did that at a LinkedIn conference. So um, I love to do speaking engagements, talking about sales, about sales leadership, about culture. And... um, my book uh, that I wrote, uh, published back in May, that I did on my own, uh, self-published, uh, can be uh, is available on Amazon, uh, and also through my website, which mm-hmm. is com. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also because it's also on Barnes and Noble, but you can find a link on um, on my website. And um, I do um, 
some part-time coaching. And really, I want it's really around any kind of personal or business transformation. Um, someone may want to change their career or just isn't feeling right. Um, I do have uh, limited time, but uh, I do select a few a few clients per year uh, mm-hmm. where I engage in sort of life transformation coaching. Great. And you have a new book coming out next year. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, I actually, the book, the, the new book that I have in the back um, is, is maybe going to be the third book um, because I think I have another one that's already brewing. But uh, <laughs> the one that's in the book is called Chauffeurs, Chivalry, and Champagne, Are They Really mm-hmm. Dead? And that book is a little bit kind of tongue-in-cheek about the trials and tribulations of dating uh, mm-hmm. in this sort of social landscape, the social media landscape that right. we have. Um, so it's sort of a little bit of fiction and nonfiction to be thrown into that one. But um, really another book that may come before this is is really around women and, and having a, an opportunity to interview other women, women in business, mm-hmm. as well as women who have made the choice to stay at home and, and to talk about the, their stories. Um, right. and actually align the chapters in this first book and, um, and ask, uh, other women for their stories, uh, of how they've, uh, accomplished, um, mm-hmm. getting through times of uncertainty and what challenges they face in business. So, um, that's probably the next one, uh, that will come out. Great. Well, we will definitely have you on then because that they, you know, it, it, it sounds so fascinating and I'm assuming you might talk to your daughters yes. in that because, you know, they, they would be very good for this. Absolutely. And I think, uh, and the, the proposed title will be women walking and wine W ah. W H I N E as a, mm-hmm. as a plan, as a plan words. So, um, that will be the next one. I love it. Well, one last time, tell people how they find you online. Yes. So I'm all over, as we talked about social media and all of those links are on my website, which is www.amyvslater.com. I can be found on Twitter, LinkedIn as well. So you can find those links uh, on my website. Perfect. Well, I've been having a great time talking with Amy Van Atta Slater about her book, Moments, Magic, Miracles, and Martinis, How to Move Forward in Times of Uncertainty. So again, Amy, thank you for being on. Thank you. And to everyone out there, have a great day. Thanks for listening to Deb Career, your social media friend. Tune in next time to listen to more great tips, techniques, and trends for using social media. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.